Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. New details have emerged about the police-involved shooting that led to a night of riots in the city of Minneapolis. So what does the newly released body cam footage tell us about what happened? Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. We knew as soon as the headlines hit that there was going to be more violence, mayhem, looting, rioting going on. And given the situation right now of the state of Minnesota and the city of Minneapolis specifically, this is a tinderbox and it looks like we have just seen a spark added to it. Here's what happened over the weekend. There was an officer involved shooting. You had a young man uh, who was pulled over, it's believed pulled over for, uh, Dante Wright was his name, 20 years old, pulled over for having air freshener in his rear view, uh, a rear mirror of his car. During the ensuing incident, uh, there was a a shot fired from a police officer. Here, we can show you, we're going to show you the body cam footage, which gives you a very clear view of what happened. This was during this traffic stop. It seems that Dante Wright, who had an arrest warrant out, was resisting arrest in this moment. And then a police officer, it appears, thought that she was firing her taser when she was actually firing her service weapon, her firearm, and uh, struck and killed uh, Dante Wright. This is a little disturbing, but you need to see what the facts are with your own eyes. Here's that body cam footage. taser, 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 and then she says, I just shot him. This is not the first time a situation like this has happened with law enforcement. Uh, There are incidents in the past where some officer thought that he or she was drawing and using a taser, a non-lethal, a non-lethal force escalation, and in fact was pulling their, uh, their weapon, their firearm, and killed a suspect. This has happened before. It appears, based on what we've seen here in this video, that is what happened 
a terrible and tragic accident and one that may still have criminal consequences for the officer involved, but she is presumed innocent until proven guilty, as we know. The police chief of Brooklyn Center, Tim Gannon, uh, had this to say about what happened. As I watched the video and listened to the officer's commands, it is my belief that the officer had the intention to deploy their taser, but instead shot Mr. Wright with a single bullet. This appears to me, from what I viewed and the officer's reaction in distress immediately after, that this was an accidental discharge that resulted in the tragic death of Mr. Wright. An accidental discharge. A tragedy, not a lawful use of force, a terrible accident, and one that obviously is, uh, has, has taken a life, dramatically affected the lives of those who uh, are family and, and loved ones of Dante Wright, and also has changed the life forever of this uh, police officer who is responsible for what she does with that service weapon, but clearly did not intend, based on the video we've seen here, to fire her weapon. She thought she was firing her taser, and now her life is forever altered, and, uh, and it's going to be a very difficult few days ahead, as we know, for the city of Minneapolis. The police chief was being told by reporters on the scene that even though we saw riots, there was already National Guard deployed in Minneapolis. The Derek Chauvin trial is happening right now in Minneapolis. It looks like Baghdad, and I know I've been there a few times, it looks like a war zone in parts of downtown Minneapolis because of the preparations for the Chauvin trial. This is just miles away. Additional riots, dozens of stores broken into, uh, clothing stores, sneaker stores, cell phone stores, lots of stuff. You can see here, lots of stuff stolen. So we've already jumped to the riot phase. Before, by the way, these people hadn't seen the body cam footage. They didn't know what happened. They just knew a young black man was shot by a police officer they chose to riot in response. They chose to steal innocent people's property, to, to destroy storefronts, and to create a real sense of lawlessness and chaos in a city that's already been through far too much of that. Here is what journalists said to the police chief about what you're seeing right there on your screen. Play it. What led to you to issue a dispersal order, and then on the back end of that 10-minute dispersal order, then to issue out uh, CO2 canisters and gas uh, for the crowd. So, yeah, that? just so everybody's clear, I was front and, front and center at the protest, at the at the riot. Um, we did not. There was. So, I was. We were being the officers that were putting themselves in harm's way were being pelted with frozen cans, a pop. They were being pelted with concrete blocks, and yes, we had our helmets on. And we had other protection gear, but an officer was injured, hit in the head with a brick. Brick. That was a Hennepin County deputy. He was transported to the hospital. So we had to make decisions. What? Are, what are the press doing? Want to talk about gaslighting? There was a riot. There's footage. We've seen it. It's there. It happened. And police officers were attacked. And you've got members of the press saying there was no riot. That's really the game we're going to play now. Our eyes are deceiving us with the break-ins of the stores and the assaults on law enforcement. There's video of a guy taking a big cinder block and trying to throw it right into a police car in front of cops. And yeah, they hit him with a rubber bullet because you're not actually allowed to do this. Just because a terrible situation unfolded here with one law enforcement officer and one young man, Dante Wright, it does not excuse people who want to break other laws and attack other people 
because they're upset. We either live in a society of laws or we don't. You don't get to pick and choose because the mob is angry and upset. And given what we're seeing already in the city of Minneapolis where the Derek Chauvin trial is happening, with a rather explicit threat of riots if the wrong conclusion is reached by the jury, we can only assume that this situation is going to get worse. We know that the authorities in Minneapolis and, and the state of Minnesota have declared that they will have a curfew in place and that there's a state of, there was a state of emergency. The National Guard has already been deployed. More police will be deployed on the streets to try to stop this. May not be enough. This now becomes yet another opportunity for the BLM movement and for the anti-cop left to make a stand and hurt innocent people and destroy property and create lawlessness and mayhem in the name of what exactly? Police accountability? That's what the courts are for. That's what our system is for. And everybody actually wants justice in this circumstance, in this situation, but justice is not instantaneous. All right, after the break, more on yesterday's police-involved shooting and the subsequent riots with former NYPD officer and conservative commentator John Cardillo. Stay with us for that. Take me up on my recommendation right now, okay? Go visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out, let me make this really straightforward for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing easy, and their system flat out works. It allows everyday hardworking Americans to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty doing it on your own. I can't tell you in strong enough terms during this one commercial how important it is you check these guys out and, and give you all the details. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For You Real Estate, where you can hear my experience with their company in my own words. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance at Done For You Real Estate a chance to show you what they can do for you. From picking the city, the house, setting you up with the proper real estate broker, and getting a management team, even a tenant in place doneforyoubuck.com to begin your real estate investment journey today, just like I've done. As we've discussed yesterday's police-involved shooting led to violent riots and looting throughout the city of Minneapolis overnight, a story that's become all too common over the past few years, particularly the last 12 months. Where's the uproar and the protest of the execution of a cop in New Mexico? New body cam footage shows the brutal murder of Officer Darian Jarrett, as he was shot and killed during a traffic stop. And what about the New York City cop who's currently in critical condition fighting for his life after getting stabbed over the weekend during a routine traffic stop? Any protests, any, any outrage, any solidarity? Do their lives matter? Not as much. Joining me now, we've got conservative commentator, former NYPD officer, John Cardillo. John, let's, let's start with, I mean, I wanna bring up those other officer-involved incidents over the weekend just, to, just so we have a proper context here for cops are having to make difficult split-second decisions, and sometimes lose their lives in the process of doing their work, a job that you yourself used to do here for the NYPD. What, let, with the body cam footage has been released right away. I, I note that in this case, it seems the decision is made to release the footage very quickly because it, it, it does not look good at all for, for the law enforcement officer involved here. What do you see happen here, and what do you think should occur next from a, uh, from a, a perspective of investigation and justice? Yeah, so look, Buck, I'm usually out there defending the police uh, pretty much wholesale, but I've got to be an honest broker. Looks bad. Looks really bad. Looks like the female officer reacted horribly in a high-stress situation, drew her firearm, 
when she thought she was drawing her taser and fired what she thought was the taser charge, but was a live round into this guy, Dante Wright, killing him. His car rolled and, and he wound up dying and uh, dying on there on the street. Now, that's that's evident from the body cam video. I do think the Brooklyn Center Minneapolis Police Department did a very good job in releasing this quickly because had they held it back, they would have been accused of cover up and trying to bury the video. So I think from a crisis communication standpoint and a law enforcement leadership standpoint, they made a very wise decision to release this this video early and get in front. And of that should problem. be the standard, don't you think, John? I mean, when they have body yeah. cam footage that's so clear and there's an incident like this of high public attention, the public should see it. Absolutely. hundred percent. hundred percent. And when it clears the police as well, I want these things coming out. However, you have to, if you're going to be an honest broker and we're going to call out the cop, we also have to address Dante Wright's actions. Number one, we now know it's up on my Twitter at John Cardillo. He was arrested back in February for an aggravated robbery. That's the charge. So I looked at the aggravated robbery statute in the state of Minnesota. Very simple statute, two paragraphs, a couple of sentences each. Aggravated robbery has two degrees in Minnesota. That's it. First degree means you were using a weapon in the commission of the robbery. Second degree means you told the victim, you implied to the victim that you were concealing a weapon and would use it to cause physical injury or death. That's a pretty serious felony robbery. So he gets no cash bail for that charge. No cash bail for a violent felony robbery while he has outstanding warrants from 2019. I researched all this this morning on the Minnesota Unified Minnesota Unified Courts website. Why did the judge release him when they knew he had an outstanding warrant? So now the police stop him. They're going to get that information over their computer, over dispatch. That he's got an open warrant, which they've admitted, and that he's ROR, released on his own recognizance, for a violent felony robbery. He then resisted arrest. So I'm not condoning what the officer did. But had Dante Wright not acted that way, had he not done a robbery, had he not had prior criminal charges, had he not resisted police, they wouldn't have had to use any force. They wouldn't have had to pull any weapon. And so we can't look at these incidents in the vacuum of police did wrong. Only the cop did wrong. Maybe she did. My opinion is she did. I would summarily dismiss her if I was the chief of that department. I'm not. But we also have to look at his actions and his actions were as much, uh, did as much to cause this as hers. John, can you tell us, having, having gone through some of this training yourself in, in detail and, and yeah. carried, a, carried a weapon as a police officer, the, 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 the gun versus taser training, I mean, they, I, I know that there have been other incidents where this has happened. Sometimes, yeah. very lucky, where the person realizes they pulled their gun and not their taser, they don't actually discharge. Clearly here it ended in tragedy. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes they fire the round and it doesn't hit anybody. That, that's happened. That's not what happened here, clearly. Do they, is there specific training given to officers as a matter of protocol? Because it, it, you could understand how this could happen in a situation. It, it did happen, but how this could sure. happen in other situations too. So what do they do to try to make sure that there is the lowest possible probability of this kind of what's effectively a, a force escalation mix-up and ensuing tragedy? Yeah, and I'll even argue that it's a muscle memory and an equipment proximity issue, meaning I'm not a big fan of the taser on the belt, on the gun belt, close to the firearm. Because police officers, especially in a small department that doesn't have a lot of money, buck, they don't get that much training. 
That's why I'm a very big fan of the uh, outer tactical vest, the plate carrier for police officers, because then you can leave your taser up on your chest. Your muscle memory, when that muscle memory kicks in in that high-stress situation, you're going to know taser here, gun here, taser, gun. Right? You're going to deploy on muscle memory. But if your gun and your taser are very close together in that high-stress situation, you're a cop. This one, clearly to me anyway, was not somebody who trained while she was off-duty on her own time. They're in close proximity. You're training more with the gun than the taser. Man, it's going to be very easy and scarily so to deploy that firearm over that non-lethal device. So either more training, which they can't afford much more, or reconfigure the gear they're given so there's never going to be that muscle memory screw up where you're reaching for your hip when you should be reaching for the holster on your chest for the taser. That's my two cents. There's going to be other training doctrine, but that's mine. No, that that makes sense. I, I know the, with the, the plate carrier in the front as well, that sort of separation clearly would, would affect uh, muscle memory, and, and that may be one way of avoiding tragedies like this in the future. But for right now, John, the other situation that everyone's having to look at is what happens to the city, or really the surroundings and the city of Minneapolis in the days ahead, because, you know, this is, sometimes we see these incidents and there are riots and things happen, and we find out that the law enforcement officer was actually justified in a lethal force incident, as you said, and I agree with you, this is not one of those. And so right. there's, it seems to me it's likely there might be an even greater degree of violence, rioting, and mayhem on the streets. Yeah, but Buck, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something very uncomfortable. We have to stop encouraging the black community to do this because in 2017, the uh, Minneapolis, a Minneapolis police officer last name Noor, a, a, a Somali immigrant, shot and killed a white woman, Justine Damon. There were no riots. There was no looting. When O.J. Simpson was acquitted for killing two whites, there was no riot. There was no looting. So groups like Black Lives Matter, they enable this. They push this. They encourage this. Democrat politicians do as well. But the media, the left-wing media is to blame. Look, we did an analysis of FBI uh, data recently, and a few media pundits did. Uh, Matt Walsh did over at Daily Wire. It, since January of 2020, police have killed 500 whites, 300 blacks. If you only listen to the media, you would think it was five whites, 3,000 blacks. That's despite blacks and whites interacting with the police at nearly the same exact numbers. They killed nearly double the amount of whites as they did blacks. There's a problem here in the way the media is pushing the black community to believe a false narrative and then to riot and loot on that false narrative. And I, I think we need a, a real hard look. The left-wing media needs to, take a, needs to take a real hard look at itself and ask why they're doing this. We know why they're doing it. I doubt they will take that look, but I'm going to place the blame on them. Uh, I think we can expect, John, unfortunately, a lot of really reckless demagoguery from the Biden administration top to bottom on oh, yeah. this issue. But we'll, we'll have to see. Always appreciate your expertise, my friend, and good to see you. Good to see you, Mark. Thanks. When we come back, the CDC announces that once again, they were wrong. Who could have seen that one coming? Closer look at the latest CDC incompetence in the Buck Brief tonight. I've warned you about home title theft. That's where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title and become the owner. I said you better get home title lock because it's coming. Well, if you're on Facebook, the big breach is here. Facebook had 500 million accounts exposed to cyber thieves. And according to a retired FBI cybercrime expert, Everything thieves need to take over as the new owner of your home may have been leaked. Name, address, personal information, 
It's out there now. The thief forges your signature on a quitclaim deed stating you sold your home to him. He'll leave you in debt or even have you evicted. Well, you need to do what I did. I'm not just telling you this so you worry. I want you to take action. Protect your home's title with Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Then sign up for 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach era. Go again to HomeTitleLock.com. Use promo code RADIO. That's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. I would just get back to what the president said even before he was inaugurated, that we need a universal wearing of masks. He said for at least 100 days, it may well go beyond 100 days. Everyone should be wearing a mask. They should avoid congregate settings. They should keep their distance and they should wash their hands as often as possible. We are not out of this yet. We had 80,000 new infections the other day. Now's not the time to declare victory prematurely. Ah, uh, yes. Even if you're vaccinated, even if you've had the virus like I have and so many millions and millions of other Americans, and then there are people that are vaccinated after having had it anyway, uh, they should all live in fear? you got to be kidding me, right? Dr. Anthony Fauci, who despite being wrong more times than I can count at this point, continues to enjoy the status of a COVID prophet among the media and the lockdown forever crowd. Let me ask you this. How many times would you listen to a stockbroker who lost money on every trade? Is a weatherman who predicts hurricanes every day someone you'd trust? Would you go in for a second surgery with a doctor who had operated on the wrong leg? We all know the answers, right? Most jobs have some form of ultimate accountability in them. If you screw up terribly, there are consequences. If you're wrong often enough, you'll get fired or your competitors will put you out of business. But not the CDC. I mean, take a look at the Center for Disease Control's latest screw up. We'll do that together in tonight's Buck Brief. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's about a year ago when you might recall there were all these news stories about how COVID might last for quite a long time on surfaces. Fomites is the term of art they use for a possibly pathogenic uh, contaminated surface. Right? So tables and chairs and desks and doors and windows and you had to constantly scrub everything or, or else you weren't taking the virus seriously. And maybe, you know, at that point, if you got sick, I mean, who do you have to blame but yourself for not using Lysol on your groceries? You remember that? Well, if you challenged it at the time, you would have been called anti-science. You weren't listening to the science, even though, did it ever really make sense? Is it really our belief that people get, aeros that people get uh, viruses that travel freely through the air from touching things? Hmm. Was that, is there a lot of study to back that up? Turns out, as so many other things, it was wrong. And that effectively, it's not that they overstated a little bit the risk. Uh, the CDC's come out to say, yes, the most recent analysis shows that, well, here's what it shows. We'll read from the recent press release. Findings of these studies suggest the risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection via the fomite transmission route is low 
and generally less than one in 10,000, which means that each contact with a contaminated surface has less than a one in 10,000 chance of causing infection. One in 10,000, friends. Do you think that that is a reasonable risk parameter for making public policy? Do you think that that's sensible? If you think about this, it's sensible to shut down the New York City subway at night to clean all the cars, the actual subway cars, give them a deep clean, to shut down schools, classrooms for days, perhaps weeks on end, to do a deep clean. You gotta do the deep clean. It's gotta make sure you take care of all that virus on the surfaces. I mean, people were wiping down their groceries. We were led to believe you should never shake hands again, that it's some dirty, filthy thing that spreads disease constantly. So everyone's going around, remember when everyone was touching their elbows to elevator buttons or to front doors or to each other? Hey, here's my elbow. Was that all really necessary? I've been somebody who mocked all along the notion that if we all bathe in Purell enough, if we all just have a constant dousing of ourselves in hand sanitizer, we're really gonna stop this virus that you happen to get in your nose, your mouth, and perhaps your eyes from aerosolized virus, virus that is so small you can only see it with an electron microscope, not even a normal microscope, and that is freely in the air around you. People have also been led to believe, and this is where we get the whole mask cult, that it's the virus is just, it's in spit or something that's coming out of your mouth. It's in, it's in these vapor, these clouds of vapor that are in the air. But really, it's free-floating in the air. The virus gets into a place indoors, and then when it reaches a certain concentration, people breathe it in. That's how they're actually getting sick. It's not from touching things. The CDC was wrong, is the point here. The CDC was wrong. There was panic. The media was wrong. And if you tried to point it out, as some of us did at the time, you were shouted down. Fauci was wrong about masks, as he admits. The CDC was wrong about fomites, about surface transmission, as they admit. admit. One thing you could also look at, I could add this to the list, how much asymptomatic transmission is there? There's some, but originally they said it was 80%. You know what the most recent CDC research, uh, research says about this? It's probably more like 10 to 20%. That matters a whole heck of a lot, doesn't it? But you got to exaggerate the asymptomatic spread in the early phase so that then you can get everybody, even if you're not sick, to take all these measures all the time. And if you're wondering how extreme and how unreasonable this gets, here is the diminutive lab coat tyrant himself, Dr. Fauci, our own health policy Stalinist, telling everybody, oh no, you still can't go into restaurants and live your life, even if you're vaccinated. Eating and drinking indoors in restaurants and bars, is that okay now? No, it's still not okay for the simple reason that the level of infection, the dynamics of infection in the community are still really disturbingly high. Like just yesterday, there were close to 80,000 new infections and we've been hanging around 60, 70, 75,000. So if you're not vaccinated, please get vaccinated as soon as vaccine becomes available to you. And if you are vaccinated, Please remember that you still have to be careful and not get involved in crowded situations, particularly indoors where people are not wearing masks. What is that? If you are vaccinated, be careful indoors? I mean, how much more of this delusional smurf do you have to see on your TV screen before enough is enough? I'm just wondering. I keep asking everybody this. I've gotten a lot of pushback, a lot of criticism for critiquing Fauci stretching back now for nine, 10 months, pretty relentlessly. Well, who's been right and who's been wrong? Fauci is 
a little health fascist. We all see it. And what he's saying doesn't even make sense. He changes what he says on TV constantly. And there's one person that is out there in Republican politics and elected office who seems really willing to speak about this other than the governor of Florida, and that's Senator Rand Paul. Here he is with a tweet. Fauci continues to ignore 100 years of vaccine science. His only real theme is do what I say, even when it makes no sense. If you've recovered or been vaccinated, go about your life, eat, drink, work, open the schools. Enough with the petty tyrants. God bless Senator Rand Paul here on this one. He's also an MD, by the way, just speaking the truth. Once you've had this, once you're vaccinated, you have to live your life like you're good to go. Otherwise, it never ends because there'll always be some unvaccinated in the population. There'll always be variants. There'll always be these possibilities out there. But that's not reasonable risk mitigation, is it? We either tell them enough is enough or this continues. That's where we are as a country. And I know people say, oh, I'm in a red state. It's not that bad for me. Just give it time. Wait till the flu season comes up again. And the cities, they'll be locking down again unless we say no more. Governor Andrew Cuomo has announced that he's extending one of, the, uh, one of New York City's dumbest public health measures, which forces restaurant patrons to order food so they can actually order an alcoholic beverage. Trust the science. We got more on that with conservative talk show host on 710 WOR and NYC, Mark Simone, after the break. Embattled New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is making a new push to get college students vaccinated. We have not beaten COVID. Do not kid yourself. Young people are a focus for us now. The infection rate among young people is going up. It was about 9%. It's up to about 14%. If you are young and you get it, you can still die. Do you want to play Russian roulette with your life? Really? This as the power-hungry governor announced he's extending the No alcohol without food rule in New York City and dictating bars and restaurants will still close at 11 p.m. because science or something. Joining me now to discuss all things Cuomo and reopening is NYC radio host on 710 WOR here in New York City, Mr. Mark Simone. Mark, good to see you. Good to see you. So Cuomo here, I I guess the, the Cuomo chips might be making a comeback where you have to order some kind of food. Uh, because of his COVID regulations. But, but before we get into that, I just want to know, how is this guy managing to still be the governor of New York at this stage? Uh, only because these investigations take uh, so long. He'll be gone. They, they will get him. He's got, you know, you can beat one investigation, one scandal. You can't beat six. You can't beat seven investigations. Uh, Remember Mueller, that took two years. Whitewater, I think that was two and a half years. I also found out if you're on this investigative team, they brought in these top outside lawyers. They're getting 500 an hour, 700 an hour. I think that's one reason these things take two years. Mm. It's like a bad contractor doesn't want to quit the job. He's getting paid by the hour, but he'll he'll be gone pretty soon. What do you think two about the, the the continuation here? You know, in New York, as as you know, Mark, is still under all these different regulations. And I I was just out over the weekend, and sure enough, at a restaurant, I've been in the restaurant for two hours, 11 o'clock, everybody out, you know? And and I wonder, by the way, that's actually a great, you guys just pull up, that's one of my favorite places. Uh, That's Lagaloo, I love it. Yeah, that's Lagaloo, it's a great restaurant in New York City. Mark and I both like it. Uh, But tell me this, man, what's it gonna take for people to realize 
that until, until we say enough is enough, this stuff doesn't go away in New York or in other places across the country that have Democrat governors and mayors. Uh, his whole thing is trying to look busy like he's doing something. You know, he, like he tells you uh, 65 plus you get the vaccine. Now it's 55 plus. Now it's 45. Now we're going to make it 12 plus. Now we're going to, meantime, you can't get the vaccine. They don't have any. And you're eligible, but there's no appointments. It's the same thing with the restaurants. There is no reason on earth you can't have them open until midnight. Uh, you know, if you're going to be at 50%, extend the hours so they can do 100%, but in two shifts. Right next door, Connecticut has been at 100% for two months, no spike, no anything. So obviously it doesn't matter. Go to 12 midnight and go to 75%. Long Island's at 75%, Westchester, right next door to New York. And nothing he does makes sense except trying to look busy. And because that's the way that he thinks he still stays as the, as the hero of the pandemic. It's remarkable this guy has gone from being the person who was most celebrated in the media for his COVID response and Governor Cuomo Maybe Gavin Newsom, number two, and he's got his own problems. Both those guys, big fall from grace. But, you know, speaking of other states, Mark, you have uh, Michigan, as, as you know, is going through a big COVID spike. I mean, ir- irrefutable. The data speaks for itself. Big COVID spike right now. They got Governor Whitmer, who is, I mean, I call her Governor Halfwit. She does whatever co- uh, Fauci says. She's got a Fauci pillow, <laughs> as you've seen in the background when she does, when she does uh, interviews. And she, they have an indoor and outdoor mask mandate. They still have restrictions on businesses. They still have all this stuff in place. Huge spike. Texas has been open over a month. They're, the cases are going down, down, down. I mean, when you talk to, I know you talk to a lot of New Yorkers, a lot of Democrats too. When you talk to people that are still Fauciite believers, how do they try to make sense of this? Because, uh, well, Fauci's act is he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Every prediction is wrong. As the president said, you ever see a guy so full of crap? He's always wrong, but he tries to sound brilliant. Anytime you see a little guy use big words, you know something's wrong. He always gives you these words like uh, the variant is not, uh, it's not as efficacious against the variant, so we must mitigate. What he's trying to say is uh, the shot works on the on the uh, other ones. Yeah, he, say, he says things means, like we could get a, dim, a diminution of cases over the variable matrices of, it's like cases may go down, Fauci, speak English. Yeah, everybody watching him has got to get a dictionary going, what the hell is efficacious and uh, uh, what does mitigate me? I mean, it's just ridiculous and he's always wrong. That's how he does it, Cuomo conjure with too much detail, intubation rate in the Finger Lakes, in the Southern Tier, the Northern Tier. Everybody in New York is saying, what the hell's the Northern Tier? Too much detail. And this Michigan governor, uh, you know, having the dumbest governor in the world isn't a great idea. I think we've seen that in a few Mm -hmm. states now. Connecticut's 100% and no spike. If I were a governor, I'd be calling the governor of Connecticut. How'd you do it? Tell me what to do. Or call Florida. It's that simple. You almost start to feel like the results don't matter. And you, I was going to bring up Florida next just because we've had, you know, Governor Ron DeSantis, I've always said, putting on a clinic for other governors. I mean, they could see yeah. what works, what doesn't. And the media not only attack, we, we know they're going to attack him, Mark, but they're basically conjuring up BS. I mean, when the, the notion that there was some sweetheart deal when he didn't even have exclusivity for the Publix grocery store chain, which has 800 Publix in the state of Florida, it's a big chain. There was no exclusivity. It's all been explained. But it's very clear, isn't it, that there, there are supposed to be winners and losers when it comes to politicians from this pandemic. And the media doesn't care what the actual results are. They're just rooting for a team. 
Yeah, and one thing about Publix, they gave to every candidate everywhere. They gave to Bernie Sanders. They gave to everybody on both sides. It can't possibly be pay for play. Florida was a great example. When Cuomo was sending people into the nursing homes, all he had to do was ask DeSantis, what are you doing? DeSantis found two empty nursing homes, made those coronavirus uh, nursing homes, and saved all the other homes. If, if only Cuomo had asked, instead he was listening to Fauci, his uh, buddy that he was talking to every day. Do you think that people will finally turn on all this, what I call the Fauci consensus or this notion of, you know, just do whatever, do whatever you're told. Don't quit. Mask up between bites. Wear two masks. Wear three masks. Mask two-year-olds on planes. Do you think that when they start to roll out, because you've seen the beginning of this in some, in some news articles and he's, the, the booster shot requirement uh, every six months. It's not official yet, but people sort of talk about how this could become endemic. Will people finally say, okay, we're just not doing this anymore? Or do you worry they're going to be forever lockdowners? No, there's no booster shot. Maybe next year there'll be a booster shot. This is fine so far. It's just clickbait headlines like in Israel, uh, some people, the South African virus, it didn't fight that. If you read that carefully, it's about six people. It's not a clinical study. It was just a little tiny thing. Uh, there's a big effort to scare everybody by the news media. Uh, they love Fauci. Uh, and, and, and let me just make a prediction here. Fauci and Buttigieg get into a bit of a fight because I notice Buttigieg is going for the title of little guys who can see how many shows they can get on a day. Publicity hounds battling each other. I'm sure Fauci was watching the Sunday shows this week and saying, how the hell is he on all these shows? So, uh, Buttigieg, Buttigieg, as you know, loves to lecture people on the Bible, but Fauci pretty much <laughs> thinks the Bible's about him. So we'll see how yeah. this actually goes. The wisdom of our friend Mark Samo. Mark, thanks so much for joining. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The Black Lives Matter organization raked in millions and millions of dollars of donations since its founding in 2013. Today, we're getting a better look at where some of that money is going. We've got that and more on Quick Hits. We're living in very uncertain times, and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in is anything but predictable. The government's passing massive spending bills, Federal Reserve's printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency, and many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. And we could all benefit from something reliable right about now, couldn't we? What could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group now. Learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold One of the founders of Black Lives Matter under fire for a real estate spending spree and CNN's Brian Stelter, hello, thinks Fox News hosts should take more selfies. We got those stories in quick hits coming up right now. Let's get to it. Black Lives Manners uh, is the... The New York Post cover here, and they're talking about a co-founder of the movement who has, you see her here on the cover, who has bought multiple properties. Here you go. Here, here's from the article. As protests broke out across the country in the name of Black Lives Matter, the group's co-founder went on a real estate buying binge, snagging four high-end homes for a total of $3.2 million in the U.S. alone, according to property records. The self-described Marxist last month purchased a $1.4 million home on a secluded road a short drive from Malibu in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, that's right. Marxist 
millionaire, folks. You'll notice that this is actually pretty common. The leaders of Marxist movements, of Marxist countries, of uh, Marxist news organizations, whatever, they tend to be very capitalist friendly when it comes to their bank accounts. I mean, they're all about making that money, right? They want to be rich. But, and whether we're talking about Stalin or you're talking about, you know, Mao, or, you know, the, the people that are the, the chief Marxists are always very wealthy. But they want the rest of us to live by these whatever's fair, according to what we say, rules. And some people figure out, hmm, seems to be a bit of hypocrisy in that. I think that much is clear. Um, also, a lot of criticism for this BLM founder because she, not only does she buy up these properties with money that's supposed to be for a cause, but she's paying herself obviously very well, million, millions of dollars, millions of dollars. Uh, this is the thing. She moved to uh, Topanga Canyon. One of these houses, I should say, is in Topanga Canyon. Well, I think it was about a $1.2 million price tag. Nice house. Topanga Canyon is 1% uh, African-American. Now, people are just pointing this out. If you're somebody who believes very strongly in the BLM movement, if you're somebody who believes very strongly in reinvigorating and, and assisting and building up black communities across the country, it's, it's noteworthy that this founder then chooses to raise a whole bunch of money for the cause of BLM and then is buying property, in this case, in a place that has some of the least diversity you could possibly find in the entire country, in the whole country. This is one of the least diverse areas. Just see, it seems interesting to folks. They, they, think, that, they think that that's, that's sending a mixed, uh, mixed message. Um, and then there's Brian Stelter who I think exists to make people in conservative media feel better about their lives and their career choices. Uh, but here he is speaking about how Fox News, does <laughs> Fox News anchors have not created enough vaccine selfies. I think it's really important to see all these TV anchors, personalities showing themselves getting the shot. We've seen a lot of vaccine selfies from lots of folks at lots of different networks. Uh, it's been really inspiring to see. You know, the Today Show even brought the, 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 the co-host outside for a live group vaccination this week. And Rachel Maddow on Friday on MSNBC talked about how she was really fearful of the needle, really worried about it. And yet it was important to get the shot, and she did. And where are Tucker and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram? Where is Ainsley Earhart and Steve Doocy and Brian Kilmeade? Why do you think we haven't seen the biggest stars on Fox News get vaccinated or show us their vaccine selfies? Maybe because they're not a bunch of virtue-signaling-obsessed uh, ultra-narcissists who believe that their personal decision to get the vaccine would drive lots and lots of other people to go do it. And Maybe that they understand that this is a decision that's about one's individual medical, uh, medical needs and, and future, and they don't want it to be all about them. There's plenty of messaging out there about vaccines, and believe it or not, people see folks at CNN getting vaccines. That's surprising to no one in the CNN audience, and it's unlikely to change or move the needle in any meaningful way. And, you know, we've had all this backlash about the state of Georgia for its voting law, and the voting law is entirely reasonable, it is constitutional, and it is in fact, in many ways, a get out the vote voting law. It'll mean that more people are likely to vote. It adds days, it adds times, it creates a lot of structure and clarity, but the Democrat media chose to lie about it and say that it was Jim Crow 2.0 and all these awful things, and that's resulted in the state being punished. As we know, Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game out, and now, 
Uh, a statement's been put out by Will Smith and Antoine Fuqua on why they are moving production of an upcoming film called Emancipation from Georgia. Here you go. At this moment in time, the nation is coming to terms with its history, attempting to eliminate the vestiges of institutional racism to achieve true racial justice. The new Georgia voter law is reminiscent of voting impediments passed at the Reconstruction. Yeah, they're comparing it to uh, Reconstruction, comparing it to Jim Crow laws. Uh, appalling. Not true. What is the law? that is similar to Jim Crow laws here. I just, they, they keep making, Joe Biden's made this comparison. What is the aspect of the law? The fact that there's not unlimited early voting days? Is, is that now Jim Crow? Because what they're really just doing is defining Jim Crow into some other realm. I mean, they're making it sound like it's a totally different thing from what it was so they can shoehorn this idea of this law is just as bad Disappointing with Will Smith, but you know, everyone, you gotta be woke. You're gonna be in media, you're gonna be in Hollywood, you gotta be woke. Doesn't matter how unfair or dumb your position may be. And the people that are getting hurt by this, working class folks, folks that are gonna be paid on that production, their job's gone now. I hope uh, Will Smith and Antoine Fuqua feel good about themselves. I'm sure they do. That's the whole point of all this, isn't it? It's not to really change anything, it's so they, rich people feel good about themselves. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.